Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EVMC podcast. Join us for this all-access pass backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live event industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to incredible guests who journey with us as we dive deep into the world of venues, tours, festivals, and everything in between. Grab your laminate and meet us in Venue Land. Today's adventure takes us to Foxborough, Massachusetts, where we check in with a woman who's got some history with the NFL, the Patriots, but currently in a role with so much more business development and external affairs at Gillette Stadium. Please welcome Cassie Epstein. Cassie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for making the time for us today. Uh, tell us about that, that title, because we've had a lot of episodes, but you're the first person with this title, Business Development and External Affairs at Gillette Stadium. What does that mean? What do you do? It's That's short. a lot. It's a, it's a mouthful, certainly. So yeah. <laughs> our, our department basically handles a, a wide range of things, but I think in, in terms of you know venue in, in this conversation, we basically oversee every full stadium ticketed event that comes through Gillette Stadium that doesn't fall under Patriots football or revolution soccer. So that's motorsports, that's NCAA events, that's, you know, our entire concert series. So all of those events fall under our team. And so we're, you know, we take the lead on promotion and marketing, putting the shows on sale. And then when the event gets here to our building, it's, you know, being the main liaison between the production team, the tour artist, and then our building. So all those pieces together, kind of making sure that the event goes off smoothly. Cassie, you've been doing this for, for a while, but it feels like for a long time, stadium shows weren't a big thing, right? Yeah. You get occasionally, you get one here or there. Whereas now it feels like, you know, here in Columbus, I've got my arenas, but I'm doing, I'm doing four stadium shows in the next yeah. eight days. Right. So what, what what do you think that is attributed to? Are you guys seeing that same boom? And, and do you think it's going to stick around? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because when I first started, my first summer working here as an intern was in 2007. And we had two concerts a summer. And so, and obviously for us in right. the Northeast, we're an open air venue. So there's a small summer window of time that you can host them. But, you know, it's really three months, maybe kind of split into four so we had two shows that felt like, yeah, great. We got two shows here. What a fun yeah. summer. And now this year is our busiest season ever. We have 12 concerts. So it's <sighs> in that amount of time just exploded. And, and I think there's such a demand for it. I think the artists love it. I think fans love it. There's something magical about being in a stadium of like that size with that many people that are you know, in that vibe with the artists that you love. So I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think that we're only going to get busier as more and more artists kind of live that magic. There's there's just something different. You know, I've, I've seen shows in myriad of places, but there's something special about, about a stadium. As someone who I'm sure you would admit this, you're a bit of a Swifty, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've had a lot over the years. I wonder if she, I mean, it, it did seem like there was, you know, one or two concerts a year at different stadiums, but even her tours, when they scaled it up to those stadium sizes, 
it seemed like she really innovated on a lot of the fan interaction. And it was less of like, here's an arena show that we're going to just plug into a stadium and more of like, how do we really reach these people that are in that way upper deck of the stadium and make it more of this experience that they're going to still enjoy it, even if they're seeing an ant, you know, dancing around on the stage. And so I feel like that kind of perspective on stadium shows has probably led to a lot of these artists doing similar things and really trying to scale up to that to where you do have these like Beyonce's and Ed Sheeran and a lot of the country acts and Latin acts that are now playing the stadium tours. And, you know, I'm sure it's a lot easier on the artist side because they're playing less dates and they're getting as many, if not more people, you know? Yeah. And it's so interesting, you know, you like to what you said, you can't just plug a small venue show and bring it to a stadium and have it resonate with fans in the same way, like to get to those fans in the upper deck who are just as passionate about seeing you as the fans in the 10th row is there's such a talent to it. And I think, you know, just the production of the shows itself are unbelievable to see like the staging of it, how these different artists you know, compose their show to make sure that fans feel like they're a part of it, whether it's, you know, Coldplay and Taylor Swift with the light up bracelets. So everyone's a kind of a part right. of it or confetti or the staging, you know, you see catwalks now, you know, coming out so much further than they ever did before so that more fans in the back of the venue can feel as close as possible. But it is, it's, it's an amazing thing to watch, you know, for a lot of these artists, when it's not a band, if it's just one artist, you're one person captivating you know, up to 60, 65,000 people is, is just, it's, it's amazing. So you had three nights of the Eras tour, right? Have yes. you recovered? Have you recovered? <laughs> Are you still, you still got some, some uh, PTSD? Yeah, I, I have. It was, it really was such an, uh, an incredible week for us. And, and one of the other things that I do here is I manage the social media for our Gillette stadium handles. And so that really was this week of, you know, I viewed it as like, we have the biggest event in the world on our property for in theory, like seven days. So like once that show before us ended, I kind of viewed it as like, okay, now it's all eyes are on us for the next few days. Like, let's see what we can do with that. Um, and it was just unbelievable. I mean, the fans are unbelievable. They're so passionate. They all come dressed in these amazing outfits. Like everyone's so excited. It was just, it's such a cool event. And then to watch her, I mean, be on stage for like three hours a night, nonstop, back to back to back is, you know, not not everyone can do that. It's it's really incredible to be a part of and just be able to even just witness it. What did you what did you learn about it doing a show that with that massive on and the impact of it on social media? Yeah, I think for us, you know, we're we're lucky that we've hosted a lot of Taylor Swift shows. We were actually her first NFL stadium way back in 2010. So we have built a really good relationship with the fans. And I feel very knowledgeable about what the fans respond to, what they're looking for, what they're not looking for, because all of our fan bases are looking for different things on social media. You know, we get sure. fans who are yeah. like, I don't very different. You. Right. Like they're like, I don't need you to be like interacting with me or like posting memes. Like just tell me when gates open and like, and then I'm good. <laughs> but you know, with our younger <laughs> fans too, like they really want to be a part of that and they want to feel like, you know, we're interacting with them. We're just as excited as they are. And you know, I told our whole internal team, I was like, you know, this is especially the Swifties are such a great fan base that they're not looking to break rules or, or do anything that they're not supposed to do. So as long as we're providing information and, and correct information and details, and if they're sending us questions that we're providing them information, I'd rather they ask us a thousand questions in the week leading up to it than be on property and not know what the correct info is or bring right. the wrong bag or park in the wrong lot, you know? So it felt like a very 
it was a big educational campaign for us of making sure that fans felt very well prepared before even stepping on our property. And for concerts, I always view it too, like for our football fans, like they're season ticket members, they come every year, they know where to park, where their seats are, they know where their favorite meal is, where the concession stand is. So they really know kind of their system of when they come here. For most of our concert fans, you know, maybe they've been here before, but maybe not in the past few years, or they're just not here that often. So you wanna make sure that when they're on our property, they're having a good experience. Cause if they don't, then they're just not gonna to wanna to come back here. They're gonna find somewhere else to go. So really felt like if we could provide as much information as possible, really be over the top with our communication, it was putting us in a good place. And, and we had a great experience and the fans were awesome as they always are. What does your team look like on a show night, you know, for that, for something that big and that active on social, is it you monitoring social media or do you have a, a, some other folks helping you there? It's for that one. It's, it's me. And then my coworker, Lindsay, who supports social media as well, but it's really just the, the two of us that are leading the charge on the channels. Then for, for Taylor Swift and for bigger events, we'll tend to have, you know, extra staff from like a customer service standpoint who are monitoring telephones and customer service emails, but then also monitoring, you know, social media feeds just to monitor them, just to see, you know, what's the feedback coming in? Is there an issue? Are we noticing a pattern of something that's that's trending that we didn't think that we were going to see? So on that end, it kind of becomes a bit of a more robust department. But from the social media side, it's really just just two of us. I think you bring up a good point and that a lot of these stadium concerts, they're also pulling fans from probably a lot further out than yeah. you would for, you know, a Patriots game where, you know, it's probably going to be mostly people in that Boston area. Whereas, you know, I mean, Taylor Swift, how many people do we probably all personally know that like flew to Denver or flew to, you know, don't live anywhere right. close to these markets. Mm -hmm. So not only are you, you know, getting in these people that are not used to coming multiple times a year, but you're also getting people that maybe aren't even in your state or a nearby state. And so I'm sure that is a challenge from a communication side, but also a great opportunity because you're going to have other big artists that if they go to Gillette and they go to two or three other stadiums and they see, ooh, these people know what they're doing. These people, it was a nightmare. Well, when that next big Taylor tour comes around or that next Beyonce tour, whatever it is, they're going to remember the stadiums that they kind of like, you know, feel like did a really good job and, you know, service them and, and I'm sure that, you know, is it's a good opportunity to really pull people from all over the country. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, there's all these challenges that come with, you know, any event that you have here. But I really tried to look at it as like a positive and a really good opportunity. Like we are going to be a touch point for a lot of patrons who have probably never been on our property before. Like, let's wow them. Like we have the opportunity to do so. We're hosting the biggest event. We have such a fantastic building. So it felt like there was, you know, a good opportunity for that. But to your point, like we get fans who aren't from here, aren't from New England, who will reach out to us and be like, hey, my, I'm staying in a hotel in Boston. Can I walk to the venue? And it's like, <laughs> oh, like it's really like, it's a, it's that much of an educational campaign of this yeah. is not located in downtown Boston. Here's where we are. Here's, I mean, how you get here. Here's transportation options. So it really is not just like, here's the gate that you should enter. It's really kind of zooming out 20,000 feet to, to figure out that all of those touch points of making sure that your experience once you get to New England is going to be a, a good and successful one. Has it been an interesting challenge for you all to do back-to-back -to -back nights too? Because that seems extremely less common when it comes to stadium shows. And I think Taylor is probably unique in that regard, whereas most other huge artists are only doing one-offs because there's so many freaking tickets, you know? So right. it's, I mean, was that an education for staff and everyone just to be like, 
you know, to do three shows back to back, even if it's not the same artist as a gauntlet, but you're, you're kind of having to make sure you're treating them all the same. And, you know, I'm sure that was a challenge, but a good opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge, you know, going in on that show day three of a full staffing force who have been working unbelievable hours like that's really when it's like you really got to kick in that extra drive of like we've got a whole other one to go through you know we've done a bunch of back-to-back shows here so i think our our group is pretty we've got that down pretty well but it's certainly we've done three shows before we've done we had one year where we did four shows in a row so it was like three shows of one artist and then a fourth that came in and kind of built off of that stage so those are not the most common but that's really when like day three is coming around and it's like holy hell, I just did back-to-back shows and I've still got another one to go through. But you just gotta think like Taylor Swift is killing it for three hours. Like I can get through this one. So it, it works and our team did a fantastic job, but it certainly is like the next day you're like, I gotta sleep for like at least 12 hours to kind of start to, to recover from that. I felt that at a Springsteen show before where I'm out there and I'm like, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, we've been work. And then I look at what Bruce is doing. I'm like, wow, he is how old and he's still pulling it together. And I'm like, all I'm doing is standing here. I think I'll be okay. You got, oh, you yeah. got, you got back, not back to back, but, mm-hmm. but two Springsteen nights in August too. And then yep. you're on sale with, with two Metallica dates for August of 24 already. Yeah. We went on sale. They announced that I believe at the end of 22 announced their concert for 24 which was we've never done something that far in advance but we've had metallica here before it's always something different and and those fans are are awesome and super passionate so we've got that already booked for next year so i mean these these things are always thought out so far in advance as you guys know so all these schedules are kind of coming into place but we had never had one that far before but the fans i mean bought a ton of tickets so they're super excited about it that's wild to be thinking that far out too as a fan you're like okay i guess i know what i'm doing in august of a year right. and a half from now <laughs> exactly you know you've got you've got the the big stadium tours a lot of folks have been talking about from you know beyonce coming up soon to uh carol g which made me want to ask you know is there anything different you did for marketing you know the carol g show yeah so it's it's interesting we're at an interesting venue in that some of the shows that come through here we actually promote ourselves which is you know the benefit of having a department that's solely focused on on concerts and these kinds of events um so you know a lot of the times we have live nation come in and they're the promoter but there are events that we have where we're the ones that are promoting it and you know we always feel like we know our market the best like we this is what yeah, we sure. do. we know new england fans so carol g is one that we're we're not the promoter for it but certainly it's you know, a new fan base for us. We've never had, you know, a Spanish language artist here before, which is exciting. And, and for me also, yeah. I love having just more female headliners. Like we have a summer of three female headliners, which is just so badass. Like we didn't have a female headliner until 2010, which was Taylor Swift. And then for a while it was just her. And so it's so great to see so many female artists being able to, to play these big venues. But yeah, so that's going to be a really exciting one for us. And she she ends our concert season in late September. So it'll be it'll be a cool one to be a part of. When you're doing social for that show, are you doing some stuff in Spanish or how have you what have you guys decided to do as a team for that? Yeah. So right now we have a lot of the content that we get from the tour that they look for us to you know work with them on and post. They'll send it to us in both English and Spanish. And so mostly what we'll do is we post both brackets of it so that you're reaching both both patrons if, if you have Spanish speaking sure. or English speaking. So that's, I think, tends to be, you know, the 
the pattern that will probably continue is, is having both provided just to make sure that regardless of what language you're speaking, you're, you're going to get the information that we want you to, to know about. Well, you mentioned social media, and I know that's kind of an area of your expertise. You have a, you have a really <laughs> uh, solid following uh, on Twitter uh, where you personally, I don't know, you, you, you obviously put some time. No, no, no it's not Twitter. In, in it's, what you it's, do. X, it's X. It's <laughs> X. Or at least as of recording this, as of recording this, who knows when we release it, it'll probably have changed names three more times. I have no idea. I guess it's called X. I don't know. I'm probably still going to call it Twitter for however long we know. (laughs) But but yeah, so it's we'll we'll see. I feel like everything is changing as it always has. Like every month there's like a catastrophic major shift in some sort of social media platform or there's a new one or one went away or one's shifting. So it's that constant it's just one self-destructing yeah i mean it's like literally never ending so for us it's just like you can't have like a plan that far out because things are changing so constantly so you just have to be prepared to just shift your strategy i mean like from day to day at this point yeah and and speaking of that you know threads let's talk about threads for a minute because uh am i right that you've you've done a little bit you've been playing around with this a little bit yeah, so we have a little, we haven't done a ton yet, kind of waiting to feel it out to see like what, what the fan base is like over there. You know, we're always trying to shift our strategy for each platform for what people are looking for. You know, it's not just a, a copy paste onto everything. So we haven't focused on it a ton recent weeks, just while we were gearing up for our, our last two shows. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those that, especially with what's going on with with X or Twitter or whatever that is, like <laughs> how people are kind of shifting what apps they're opening. Like we certainly want to be prepared when whenever wherever people are getting their information, we want to, we want to be on it. And it's interesting, like for the last Taylor Swift tour in 2018, we noticed ahead of time, a lot of her fans were on Tumblr, which we had not been on, yeah. but we literally created a Tumblr account for Gillette stadium and, and started promoting the show on there and putting a lot of information on there just because if that's where the fans are and that's where fans are digesting information and we want to be there as well. Um, and so it's always kind of looking to what, you know, I look to the fans on that and like, what are they looking for? What are they interested in? And then we kind of pivot our strategy around that. You try to like dabble. I, I find myself doing this a little bit as like a new social platform will come out. And I'm not really ready to jump in the deep end on the brand side, but I'll kind of create my own account, mm-hmm. you know, kind of feel the water out a little bit and see, you know, if it's going to have any legs, if it's going to fizzle out after a week, you know, see, some, you know, try out all the features. And then once I kind of get to a point where I'm like, okay, I feel like the juice is worth the squeeze or at least enough, then, then I might, you know, start, you know, messing around with it on the brand side. Do you do something similar? Yeah, exactly. I think like in the early days of social media, we were all just like throwing stuff against the wall and like seeing what stuck because no one knew anything about like what was going on. And so for these now it's like, yeah, like I'd, I'd love to be able to get a feel for it before we're diving in from the brand account. So it is that kind of like, I'm going on myself. I'm kind of tinkering around. I'm looking at what people are posting, what people are, are interested in there. And then kind of, once I have a feel for it, then, you know, putting in more effort, I think on the brand side, I certainly am not trying to like dive into the deep end from like our, our official brand account when I don't even really right. understand the platform. So yeah, I think it is a little bit of that of like testing the waters, kind of feeling it out from, from your own personal account or from like any kind of different account. But once I kind of have a feel for it, you know, then, then starting it up on the, on the brand side. How are you feeling about using, using TikTok these days to, uh, you know, from the stadium side of things. TikTok is interesting. So when Lindsay, who I, I mentioned before, she runs our TikTok strategy. Um, and when she had come on board, it was more of 
there are so many social channels and she was already helping us with so much of the strategy that it was, I was like, listen, I am a, a, like, a, I've been doing this for so long that I need you as a younger person to be able to like master right. this platform, really understand sure. what those trends are. So she's really the lead point person. So she knows what what's trending at any given time. She'll come to my office and just say like, here's something that I'm pitching. This is why it's trending. This is why it's funny. Because half of the time it's it's some sort of a trend that I don't even understand. Sure, I get that. Based on, right? And so but she'll be like, here's, you know, X, Y, and Z. This is why it's trending. This is why I know it's going to do well. Here's what the fans are looking for. And, and we look through it. And then, you know, 99% of the time, you know, she posts it. I think she does such a great job with that platform, especially with the Taylor Swift concerts. There was so much cool content that we could put out around, you know, capturing fan experiences, interviews with fans, all those different pieces. For us, it's interesting. There's just such a shift in our strategy because music licensing has become such a big thing that we yeah. really can't post any music anymore on any of our social platforms for, for the most part. So for a venue that I'm trying to promote concerts and music and, and capture those events, it's, it really has been a challenge and you really have to sit and, and think about what are other ways that we can showcase this event or promote this event that doesn't involve just a video of a song being played, which isn't necessarily all that we did before, but there were certainly pieces of it and so now it's really, yeah, yeah. it's a good challenge. It's, you know, what content can you create that people are going to be interested in that isn't actually just the artist on stage singing. So it's always something different. So are you staying away from music in all cases? Is that that's just kind of your general rule? Yeah, there, there's certainly times where, you know, if, if an artist, for example, is going to announce a show and they're saying, you know, this is the date of the announcement. Here's the content that we want you to post. Here's a video that obviously has music in the bed of it here and then they'll send us an attachment with like the approvals that are needed for us to be able to post it because for us we can't post music unless every single owner of each song has has given us the approval to do so so it's not just the artist yeah. who wrote it or sang it or performed it it's every single license owner which there are there could be 50 on any given song right. have you know an ad for a concert that has five different songs spliced into it you need every owner of every single song that's on there so there are times that we certainly can because i think tours and you're getting you're getting that from your promoters yeah so we certainly didn't before but i think in the last year or two they're now hearing that from all venues that like we can't post yeah. this unless we have the approval so i think it's only going to get easier in the future because i think tours now and promoters understand that this is something that all venues or whoever's promoting it are going to need to be able to post it and so it's not it went from us asking a question and people being like, I've never received that request before to now, you know, the, the promoter understanding and, and coming to us and saying, here's the video, we're working on getting you those approvals, we should have that to you by the end of the week. So it's much more of, of an understanding now that I think it's just going to be easier moving forward because everyone understands kind of what those hurdles are. When you're working on, you know, your, your social media stuff, how much content are you creating, you know, uh, you, you know, you and your team creating versus stuff that's given to you? Oh, I would say, gosh, like 95% is the stuff that we create. So it's, and I try to have a healthy balance of, you know, promotional pieces, but also fun behind the scenes content, plus, you know, like giveaways and fun things for the fans. It's, it's interesting. I have, I've been in other interviews before where people like they, they're worried that they're going to offend me, but they'll be like, you know, why would someone follow a stadium account? And I'm like, no, that's like a really good question. Like that's very fair question, right? Yeah. Like it's a big cement building. We're not a team. We don't have like a personality. Um, and so I think, but that question really guides the social strategy, right? Of like, why would someone follow a building? 
And then however I answer that is then kind of like what guides what we post. So it's a mixture of, you know, obviously providing fans information about coming here and 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 press releases and, and on sales and all that good stuff. But then also we want to be able to showcase a facet of this building that you wouldn't get normally. So whether that's kind of behind the scenes content or showing you even before a football game, how the hash marks are painted, like things that you just wouldn't see normally that we can provide you that any other outlet wouldn't be able to is what we really try to focus on. And then on top of that, you know, fun giveaways and, and interactions and things that the fans feel like, oh, there is a reason I'm here. Like, this is really fun. Like, I wouldn't get this anywhere else. I feel like they care about us. They're giving us giveaways that no one else can get unless you're following this account. So it's that nice mix. I've just never wanted to be an account where all we're doing is sending press releases and links to on yeah. and fans. Like, why would you follow, right? Like you can get yeah. that anywhere. Like I don't need to be marketed to 24 seven. So it's that healthy mix of like, yeah, we're going to let you know when tickets go on sale for different events. We're going to make sure that we're promoting sure. events that we have in our building, but also we want to provide something to you as like a, essentially a thank you for following us. Those, those good fun pieces that it's not just us being like on sale, on sale, bye, bye, bye. Cause no one, people, once they unfollow you, it's so hard to get them back. Yeah. And fans are savvy to that. You know, they'll recognize like, Oh, all I'm getting is, you know, these, yeah. these ticket sales things, shove, shove, shove. That's all they care about. And it, it's not this kind of building this brand equity that you really need. I right. think because, you know, if you think about it, you've got however many shows you've got, but you know, your average fan might attend one or two of those or three yeah. of those. So how do you like really keep them on? And I think, you know, that that's probably a challenge that I know I see. And I notice that some venues have where if they are just doing a lot of those push down content, then, you know, you're kind of feeding people. Like if most of your content is all that push down content, most of it is not going to appeal to your average person. So it's like you have to give them other stuff that's like fun and exciting and behind the scenes. And maybe if they're not even a fan, if the content is great enough, they're still going to think, oh, this is super cool. You know, this is something I would never see anywhere else. So, yeah, I love the focus of that. I mean, I think that that 90, would you say 95% is a goal that a lot of <laughs> venues should try to strive for, you know? It's a lot of it for sure. And there's, I mean, it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, all of our fans that follow us certainly aren't a fan of every artist that we have coming. So you don't want to like go way over the top with anything, right? right? Someone who's a Metallica fan and maybe not a Luke Combs fan is like, I don't want to get 50 tweets a day about an artist that I'm not here <laughs> for. So it's, it's that nice balance of, you know, on Instagram, maybe we're not doing 10 photos to our main feed. It's just the Instagram story, you know? So someone can go on and see like, oh, they're covering a concert that I don't really care about. Like, I just don't need to check their Instagram story. It's not just this unfollow where like, now my feed is going to be constantly populated by an artist right. that yeah. I'm not interested in. Um, but yeah, I think for us, it's it's also been a lot of a focus on community building and, and replying to fans and acknowledging fans and just even fans that are just excited about a show, just liking their comment, replying to it with that same level of excitement really builds that. There's a level of trust, I think, that, you know, we see fans too, that like if they have questions about an event, we'll see us tagged in a comment from another fan being like, hey, like ask at Gillette Stadium, like they're really good at getting back to people. They'll be able to give you information. And I love that That's awesome. fans, if they're unsure about something, to think in their head, like, oh, this is an avenue that I can go down. I know someone's going to reply to me. I know that they're really reliable on what they're communicating. And we can figure out that answer before you get on property and then maybe don't know what to do. So it takes a lot of work to really build that over time. But you know, it's something that we're always, you know, really focused on. 
Yeah, see, let's take a step back for a minute. And I feel like we, we talk about Gillette Stadium as if everybody already knows what Gillette Stadium is. <laughs> but I'm sure that some of our listeners who may not be as familiar. So give us a little background info on, on Gillette. Yeah, so Gillette Stadium, we are in Foxborough, Massachusetts, which is basically halfway between Boston and Providence, Rhode Island. So we are the home of the New England Patriots of the NFL and the New England Revolution of MLS. Um, so we are a massive, I think it's now at this point, just almost 70,000 person stadium that opened in 2002. You know, at this point, we're kind of one of the older NFL stadiums, <laughs> but we're actually Isn't that crazy. Middle, That's so crazy. Right. But we're actually in the middle of a, of a major North end zone renovation, which is going to be completed mm. in the next month or so, which is just unbelievable to look at. But um, yeah, so we're a, a major venue here. That's, you know, when it was built, our, our owners, the Kraft family didn't want this building just to be used, you know, like 10 days a year. They wanted it to be a building that, you know, would have events from of all types using the facility. And so it's really developed in that way. So there's football, there's soccer, there's NCAA events. We have Monster Jam and Supercross and a whole host of concerts. So it's really, it's, it's, it's in use for all 12 months out of the year as, as busy as we can make it. For a good run of your time there at Gillette, you were an event coordinator and with the, with the Patriots. So talk to me about the the kind of the relationship between the team and the stadium. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. We're all under one ownership group. So the the Kraft family, you know, it's all Patriots Revolution Stadium, and then there's actually other businesses that are run here on property, all under the Kraft family. So it's it's a little bit unique in that sense that it's it's this great symbiotic relationship. So you know, we're working very closely with the Patriots. We're working very closely with the Revolution and every other. Kind of event department here on site. I actually started as a marketing intern with the Patriots when I was in college, and then kind of moved over to this department, and then was you know you know doing events for for both groups. But it's it's very it's very collaborative, you know, especially I'm reaching out to contacts with the soccer team and contacts with the football team to figure out like is there content you want to be working on with us? Is there something that could be a collaboration between football and this artist or soccer and this artist? And so. There's a lot of communication. Obviously, there's there's a ton going on here, um, so it is very very collaborative, uh, which has been great. So there's there's always different kind of creative ways in which we can be tapping into what everyone else does. I do feel like you all are very unique as well in that even in the name of the team, New England Patriots, you know, everyone else, it's like they're the Tampa Bay, they're the whatever it is, they're the the city, and you all claim the entire region of New England. Like you it's are a, it's a gutsy move, but it's work. You are this you are the team for multiple states. So I mean, is that something that you do find when it comes to shows that you're pulling from like the greater New England area? You know, are there fans that are coming down from Maine and that whole like do you feel like that's kind of your market and home is that whole New England base and less of like Boston or or Massachusetts specifically? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly we we pull a majority of fans from the closer surrounding area, but absolutely all six states of New England. I mean, we get, especially for our concerts, you know, fans coming from everywhere around here. Um, New England is it's just such a it's such a unique area. We're just very proud to be from New England, you know, and to be from Boston. <laughs> it really is like New England is its own little region and there's so much pride here. And so it really isn't just, you know, that's why we aren't the Boston Patriots. You know, they want they once were called the Boston Patriots, but it's why it is New England, because this is, you know, our own collective little identity up here that everyone is a part of, regardless of, of where you're from in New England, you're a piece of the whole. Um, but yeah, we do. We always hear from fans that are coming from from 
from Maine, from Northern, you know, New Hampshire that come down to these events. It's obviously the biggest venue in the Northeast by far. Um, and so there's a lot of events here that you wouldn't have access to that wouldn't be coming through, you know, those Northern regions. So you tend to get a lot of fans that, that will make it down here for that, which is fun. It's, it's, you know, you get, you get a little bit of everything. You know, Paul and I both have some experience with, you know, being uh, uh, part of a, a championship team. Now, I do have it a little bit, you know, but but what how, what was it like to be part of that that run there for the Patriots? It's incredible. Like, I mean, I still pinch myself, right? That like I I've, I've been to six Super Bowls, three of which we won that I was a part of. You know, we're so lucky. The crafts are so generous that the staff who have been here get a Super Bowl ring as well. So like I have three Super Bowl rings at, at my home, which is just like an incredible thing that I never. You don't wear them around and wear <laughs> them to work. And <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't wear them, wear them every day. Um, but yeah, it's. Wear them to the Taylor Swift concert. You're holding your phone up, getting social and you got the rings blinging. Right. Just these tiny little delicate pieces of jewelry. Right. So yeah, it's really incredible too. I mean, there was, I think a sequence of, we went to three Super Bowls three years in a row. Like it was just, I mean, it's, unbelievable to be a part of something like that. And and I still pinch myself that I, I get to be like the tiniest little cog in this, this dynasty that, you know, for years and years and years will be looked on. Like it's, it's just, there's just never been anything like it. And so it's so special to be a part of it. And, and everyone here is like, you, you work to that, that level of like the standards are so high and everything that we do, we want to be, you know, the best, the top, the, the, the highest of standard of quality of, of everything that we do here, which I think all the staff here really kind of use that as, as their compass of making sure that we don't just want to be a venue that's doing it like everyone else. We want to find ways in which we can exceed everyone's expectations and then kind of take it from there, which has always been really fun to be a part of. It's so it's, it's such a unique opportunity to be part of that and uh, part of that run. And then, you know, obviously then in the years past, you know, it, it's like the team marketed itself. And now, you know, it's got to get back to, you know, traditional some traditional marketing but I, I want to ask, do you, do you have a, a Tom Brady story that you like to share when you get around the Thanksgiving table and some relative asks, right? Because they all, they all assume you and you and Tom get to hang out, hang out back in the day. Oh, exactly. We're so close. No, I, I yeah. actually don't have any real stories. I know just with all the work that we've done together, I mean, truly just like all of our players have always been like so kind, so polite, so professional. I, I, I honestly have like no hilarious, no bad stories. It's, they're all good. And, and I wish I had something more exciting. You can just invent your own as time <laughs> goes on and people will just be like, wow, that is a really legendary story. You just kind of add to it each time you tell it. Exactly. <laughs> Some of the stories, it's a bummer. You know, people, as I'm sure they do for you guys too, you know, ask about all these cool moments or all these really like yeah. unglamorous things. And when I actually go over like what my job was like during these pieces, it's like, like, oh, wait a minute, uh, that was less glamorous yeah. than it was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of that of like, do I actually want to tell you the story of like how the actual like job went into it? Because that's not going to be as fun as like it is right now and in your mind. All right, Cassie. So, you know, obviously a, a lot of a lot of your life uh, revolves around, uh, you know, what you do there at, at Gillette Stadium. But but tell me about living in the New England area. What, what do you what do you love about that? Oh my gosh, what don't I love about it? I am just, I'm Boston born and bred. So I am just like the number one Boston fan. <laughs> so I am, no, I, I live right in the city. I've, I went to college in Boston. I ever, I mean, I grew up outside Boston, went to college at Boston college and then started working here my junior year at BC and started interning. And so it's truly been like, I am a Boston girl from start to finish, but 
it's, I just, I love it up here. I love having four distinct seasons out of the year. You know, we get a nice summer right now and then fall is just like the best time to be here. It's the, it's the prettiest place in the United States during the fall. And then winter, you kind of rethink like living here and, and wanting to leave because it, it does get really cold, but no, I'm, this is, I, I can't imagine being anywhere else. We have the most passionate fans of sports and, and really of everything, which it can be tough. Like you want to make sure that you're doing your best at all times. Cause those fans will let you have it if you're not, but I, I can't imagine, you know, living anywhere else with, with the fan base that isn't like their lives are revolving around, you know, the, these teams and these sports. As a self-professed Boston girl, is this always been the dream? Is it something that as you were growing up, were you like, I'm going to work for one of these teams, I'm going to work in events, or did you kind of stumble into it? Like what, you know, what were you thinking that you wanted to do, you know, in high school or freshman year of college? Oh yeah, fully stumbled into this. I didn't even think growing up that this was like even a career choice that I could make. I think especially being a young woman, it was like, I'm, well, I'm not going to be an athlete. I'm not going to be a coach that didn't feel like there were trajectories there. So it just didn't even cross my mind. And then I was a theology and psychology major. So like definitely was not in school thinking that this was what I was going to do. I thought I was going to like join the Peace Corps and do all these different things and, and just kind of figure it out once I graduated, but then kind of stumbled into this internship. A, a friend of mine had been you know, working for the Patriots. And I saw what she was doing and I was like, oh my God, that sounds like the coolest, most interesting industry to be a part of. I was able to get an internship after that. And then once I moved into kind of the concert world, it was like, you know, I grew up as a, a massive music fan and sports fan. Um, and so it was this really unique opportunity that combined to combine these, these two pieces of, of my life that oh my God, I get to be a part of like them on the most massive scale was something amazing. And it's certainly not ever what I thought I was going to be doing. Even like halfway through college had not even thought that this was a trajectory that I could do. So I do love now, especially that there's so many more young women who are looking into the sports industry and, and looking at these different careers and understanding that there's so many different opportunities in the sports world, you know, not just venue, not just team, not just social media, not just marketing, but there's so many different ways you can get them involved and I just love there's just, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't even think that this was an opportunity. And now I see so many young women who like want to get on this trajectory from so young. And it's it's just so inspiring to see. I think it is something that we are seeing so much more of, not enough yet, but but we are seeing so much more of this just widespread adoption of even like the things that I love and I'm both torn because I see, oh, this you know, person broke the glass ceiling by becoming the first assistant coach in blah, 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 NFL. And they are doing this. And I'm like, okay, like, I wish that would have happened 20 years ago. And I wish they were an actual assistant coach and not, a, you know, a game director or whatever it is. But it's like the fact that it is happening and it does seem to be happening at an exponential rate. I think that is amazing and encouraging and, and hopefully something that we'll just see continue to grow faster and faster and faster. And you'll see more pro coaches and more things that do, does, you know, open up opportunities that, like you said, will allow people to see themselves in those roles. You know, it's got to be really tough if you're like, I love the NBA and I want to coach, but, you know, where is there a spot for me in that? You know, so it, I mean, seeing someone like a Becky Hammond or something like that get success, you know, I think that. I don't know. You know, I, I think it's, it's great. 
yeah, we're we're only going in the right direction there, hopefully, and, and continue to with just so many more women getting involved. So it's 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 definitely inspiring. Cassie, we really appreciate your time today and walking us through, you know, your your adventures there uh, in uh, Gillette Stadium. But before I let you go, I want to hit you with our fast five. It's five quick questions. Just looking for your instant brief response. First up, do you remember your very first concert? Oh, yes, absolutely. It was at what used to be called Great Woods right outside Boston. And it was um, John Fogarty from Creedence Clearwater Revival. Wow. It was he still is my favorite singer. I grew up listening to it with my parents and that was, we were like third row center and I have never forgotten it. That's so cool. Do you have a, so other, other than Fogarty, do you have a favorite concert? Then it dips into like, I feel like the concerts that we've had here, which is like picking your favorite child. Like you can't, but I mean, I <laughs> obviously the Taylor Swift ones are just amazing. Coldplay is always incredible. Any Kenny Chesney show here is unbelievable because his relationship with the fans here is unlike anything. The weekend last year was really cool. Beyonce's, unbelievable there, there's too many how about your favorite thing to do on a day off the day if it's a day off after a concert i am like sitting on the beach and not doing anything and and recuperating um but otherwise it's probably just like spending time with my family or getting brunch and having a cocktail how about your your favorite vacation getaway my favorite so my favorite place on earth would be um kenya Nairobi, Kenya, or then wow. go on safari outside wow. of Kenya. My favorite place, without question. I go back whenever I can. Obsessed with it. What do you love about it? Love and that's it. not my fifth question, but I just I still want to know. Oh my gosh, the the scenery, the people, the food. Um, it's just unlike any place I've ever been. The first time I touched down, I was like, it just like felt different being there, and and being on safari especially is just unbelievable to see the landscapes out there and the Maasai Mara and the animals that are, that are just roaming there is like, I can't even put it into words. Such a, so cool. I want to hear more about that. But <laughs> last question for you, last official question. Uh, what is your theme song? So there's a reality TV show that's all about uh, Cassie and cameras follow you around. What's the song that plays over the opening credits? Assuming that we have the rights to play this music. So we've got we've gotten all the sign offs and everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I have never gotten that before. I was thinking it has to be something like Boston based, just because I'm so apologetically a Boston girl. It would probably be like Boston by Kenny Chesney, because I I mean I've the the amount of shows that I've been a part of with Kenny are just unbelievable. So that's probably one or like Dropkick Murphy's, like something like that. Like I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's truly like the most obnoxious, like Boston theme because it's just such a part of my soul and who I am that like, I might as well just embrace it. Hey, someone's listening today and they were inspired by some of the words you said and then they wanted to reach out. What's the best way for people to reach out to you and, and any social accounts you want to plug? Yeah, so I'm basically every social account. I'm just at Cassie Epstein, just on across everything. Um, and that's probably the easiest way, I think, like, you know, Twitter DM or X DM, whatever that's going to be called. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Feel free to reach out. And I'm, I'm always happy to, to talk to anyone who's looking into getting into this or who just wants to ask any questions for sure. Very cool. Hey, again, thank you so much for your time today. It was great uh, talking to you and get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And a big thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We do love your five-star reviews. It helps others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone.
Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Venue Marketing Conference, a marketing conference that brings together diversified event and venue professionals to cultivate education, collaboration, and innovation for the growing sports and live entertainment industry. Find out more at eventvenuemarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.